You are listening to the audio preaching podcast from Heritage Baptist Church in Corpus Christi, Texas, led by Pastor Johnny Che. Our church is dedicated to serving Jesus Christ and reaching the world by going forward with the gospel. We pray that you will be helped and blessed by this message from God's Word. All right, let's go ahead and stand. Psalm chapter 85 is where we will be. Psalm chapter 85. Tonight is our Lord's Supper service. I guess I didn't consider how fitting this message is for tonight until I was putting out everything for it, but the Lord has a way of working that out. And uh, really what I had in mind was this next month and um, trying to think ahead towards that and what we might need as a church. And this verse came to mind in Psalm 85, verse 6. I certainly encourage you to read through the entire chapter on your own when you have time. And I'll mention a little bit about that in it and kind of give you an outline of it. But for now, because we're just going to focus on this one verse for the message, let's read it together. Verse 6. Ready, begin. Wilt thou not revive us again, that thy people may rejoice in thee? So what, is that, what does that teach us right there? Wilt thou not revive us again, that thy people may rejoice in thee? If, if we focus on it, we'll be able to answer some pretty basic questions right away. So first of all, according to that verse, where does revival come from? You can't go wrong, right? You can't go wrong by answering the answer that you are thinking. Where does revival come from? God, wilt not or wilt thou not? Who's thou? God. God. So then the question is, if revival comes from God, how do, how do we reach God? Prayer. prayer. And you can see that all throughout the chapter. This is a prayer. This is a request. Wilt thou not? But then the question is, who is revival for? And how does this verse answer that? Who is revival for? His people. His people. We make a mistake when we think that revival means the lost being saved. The lost being saved is a result of revival. Revival is not the lost being saved. Revival is the saved being made alive again. So right away, we have so many answers to some very crucial questions when we're talking about revival. Where does revival come from? God. How do we reach God? Through prayer. And who is revival for? It is for his people. So we are the ones who are, who are supposed to be doing the praying, right? So then I, got, I guess the question becomes, before we go any further, do we need revival or not? You say always. Not always. Not if we are who we're supposed to be. Father, bless the preaching and reading of your word and help us to understand the truths of it. Lord, if there is anyone here who doesn't know you as Savior, not only save them, but Lord, give me, give me a way of, of bringing the gospel through in this. Because only faith only comes by hearing 
Let them hear the gospel throughout it all, even if it's just through the working of your Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, you can say so much clearer and so much better than I can. And I, I do not want to get in your way. I know it's mostly your people who are here tonight. And I, I want to present the question to us as your church. Do we need revival? And help us to answer it truthfully. And based on that answer, help us to see what needs to happen in order to see that revival come. We ask this in your name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. There are some messages every now and then when I know exactly what I want to say, and it's all up here. And my study is getting what is up here in here. And a lot of times, somewhere between here and here, I feel like I'm losing it. So I like relying on these because it stops the rabbits. But um, you're just going to have to stick with me on this one, OK? I, I have a very basic outline, if you will. I know how I'm going to get the plane off the ground. And then I know the checkpoints that I want to get to before we land. And just in case I lose you during, just let me tell you now before we even get off the ground what I'm wanting to do, okay? I, I'm wanting to show you we do need revival, first of all. That's the first checkpoint once I get the plane off the ground. And then I want to show you you can, you can have revival. It's a great thing. You, you need it. You can have it. If you're going to have it, however, you need to pray for it. You need to ask for it. But if you're going to ask for it, you need to ask for it correctly. And that is where I feel a lot of us get, get disconnected. That's where I feel a lot of us fail. I, I believe we do need it. So let's talk about that first, okay? Do we need revival? Now, I'm, I'm, I appreciate you, you answering and all those things, but somebody, somebody just said, yes. Yes, we do. Somebody said, well, always. Well, I, I hope we don't need it always. And we'll, we'll explain why in a little bit. In fact, if we are who we are supposed to be, we should never need it. Do we need revival? Well, I guess let's consider the churches of yesteryear, okay? They met every day. Sometimes multiple times a day. What do we do? Three times a week. Do we come three times a week? Do we complain about the three times a week? Consider the churches of yesteryear. They met every day. Their preacher preached for hours and hours and hours. They didn't have air conditioning. They didn't have padded pews. They didn't have cars to bring them. And yet they came, and they came daily, and they came faithfully, and they sat, and they stood for hours. What do we do? Now, this is Wednesday. I'm supposed to be encouraging you. I think I'll get there. You know, when I think of those churches from yesteryear, they sang from their heart. I'm afraid we sing, but we don't sing from our heart. 
There's a reason you don't see songs being written like these songs anymore. Songs like that aren't being written anymore because we don't have hearts that sing that way anymore. I think if we had hearts that sung, we would have more words like, come thou fount of every blessing, and tune my heart to sing thy praise. Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Bind my wandering heart to thee. Those churches sang, and they sang from their heart and with all of their heart. I love watching you sing. And I think we're getting better. But I think we can still do much more. When I think of those churches from yesteryear, they saw thousands, thousands of people saved and baptized. Now we can't control fruit, can we? Then let's put it this way. They spent thousands and thousands of hours witnessing. They shook their cities for God. They cried at the altar, wept aloud for the Lord to help them. Sometimes, church, I can't even get you to come. Why don't we see that here? Why don't we see that today? You know, I don't care about today. Why don't we see that here? I don't care about the church down the road. And I know that sounds rude, but the Lord told me to pastor here. So why don't we see that here? <coughs> Is it because times have changed and those churches were just overzealous back then? And we finally toned it down and got back into a proper balance. Why don't we see that here? Is it because God has changed and he's weaker? Or is it because we've changed and we've become distracted and maintenance has become the new Christianity? Do we need revival? Let's consider the Christians of yesteryear. How about somebody like Matthew Henry? who spent decades in study to write a commentary, started in Genesis, got all the way to Acts before he died, but had enough study for Romans through Revelation that his friends picked up where he left off and wrote the rest for him. I have the set on my, on my shelf, and it starts here and it ends here with font so small 70% of you would not be able to read it without a magnifying glass. <laughs> Do we see Christians like that anymore? What about Charles Spurgeon? That man had such a touch of God on his life. There came a time where Sunday morning he would, he would be preaching to 10,000 people. And he would tell his church members on Sunday morning, whatever you do, don't come back. Because we have 10,000 more who want to come back tonight. 
He would preach to 20,000 on Sunday, a different 10, Sunday morning and Sunday night. He got to the point where he had 500 men underneath the auditorium praying every time he preached. 500 men just there to pray. What about D.L. Moody? Who one day heard a preacher say, the world has yet to see what the Lord can do with a man who's completely sold out for God. And D.L. Moody said, by God's grace, I will be that man. An uneducated farm boy, originally from the, from the northeast and then moved to Chicago. Couldn't speak English, couldn't, couldn't pronounce it. Chicago. What about Fanny Crosby, who didn't complain about her infirmities, but used them? What about Lester Roloff, who just had a dogged determination to help people? What about, what about Amy Carmichael? You ever read, read about that? Lady, the mission boards hated her. And every single man that she tried to reach out to said, women aren't supposed to be missionaries. So no, we're not going to support you. No, we're not going to help you. No, we're not going to send money. And she said, I'm, I'm going to follow God anyway. And then once they saw what she was doing over there, suddenly the mission boards were interested. What about Hudson Taylor? who paved the way for missions in China. What about David Brainerd? If you ever want to read a book that you cannot read for more than 10 minutes at a time without falling under conviction, read The Life and Diary of David Brainerd. You know Jonathan Edwards, who preached Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God? Jonathan Edwards was 10 years David Brainerd's senior, I think. David Brainerd was Jonathan Edwards' son-in-law. And Jonathan Edwards said, I have never met a greater Christian than David Brainerd. Prayed himself to death at the age of 29, reaching the, uh, the Indians as a missionary. Can our zeal for the Lord, can our schedules, our priorities, our devotion, our Bible reading, and our prayer time even come close to the Christians of old. They said David Brainerd would go to the same tree and pray for the Indians. He would go summer, he would go fall, he would go spring, he would go winter, even if there was snow on the ground. I don't know if it's true, but there's testimony from an Indian who said he, he knelt in the snow by that tree and prayed so fervently and for so long, he melted the snow in a six-foot radius about him. Think of even the history of our church. Think of things we've seen in our past. All I will ask you is this, 
Are we at this moment doing more as a church than we ever have? Are we at this moment moving faster as we go forward with the gospel than we have ever moved? Or have we slowed in any way? What about your own individual life? Are you right now reading more Bible than you've ever read? Are you praying right now more than you've ever prayed? Or do you remember a time in your past where you prayed more? Do you want my answer? I am not reading my Bible now more than I ever have. I remember a time where I read more. And I remember a time when I prayed more. Do you remember a time when you were more fervent for souls than you are now? Or right now, do you care more about souls than you've ever cared? Right now, do you, do you serve more than you've ever served? Are you more faithful than you have ever been before? Are you more focused than you've ever been before? Are you more determined to serve the Lord than you have ever been determined? Are you more willing to sacrifice now than you have ever been willing to sacrifice? Or do you remember a time where it was better than it is now? then we need revival. And revival is a personal thing. Before the church will ever see revival, revival has to come to the individuals that compose that church. Heritage Baptist Church will never see revival until I believe that I need it. And you believe that you need it. Now let me, let me emphasize that statement in two different ways. Emphasis number one. Heritage Baptist Church will never see revival until I believe that I need it and you believe that you need it. Let me emphasize it this way. Heritage Baptist Church will never see revival until I believe that I need it and you believe that you need it. As long as you and I do not believe that we need it, we will never have it. As long as we can do without it, we will do without it. Now, am I saying that our church is a horrible church? Am I saying that you are terrible people? I'm saying that we're sinners. And it is our tendency to decline. It is our nature to stray away from the things of God. It's a sinner's, it is not a sinner's nature to live. It is a sinner's nature to die. When faced with a decision between serving the dead flesh about us or serving the spirit of the living God within us, What, what do we choose naturally? When you wake up Sunday morning and you have the choice, do I go to Sunday school or do I sleep? What do you naturally choose? And then do I go to Sunday morning or do I rest? Or do some type of activity, go golfing, go fishing, go driving, 
What do you naturally want to choose? And then what about a prayer meeting at 5.30? Okay, you have a choice, prayer meeting at 5.30, or there's a football game going on. What is our natural choice? And then how about Monday morning? Do you wake up and read your Bible, or do you scroll through social media? What is our natural choice? Do you pray, or do you watch the news? What is the natural choice? And then you go to work. Do you take a stand at work? And deal with all that brings down on you? Or do you just stay silent or join with them? And that's, and that's at work or school. What do you naturally do? And then as you deal with friends and as you deal with family and you come to the choice of, do I keep my opinions to myself? Or do I gossip and complain? What do we naturally choose? And then Wednesday night comes along. Do I go to Wednesday night service? Or do I realize it's been a really long week and I can stay home and I can get stuff done? What do you naturally choose? When you talk to somebody, you have a choice to invite them to work or you can make it less awkward and talk about something else. Saturday, I can go soul winning or I can get errands done. If you're a teacher, throughout the week, what do you naturally want to do? You have a choice to study for your lesson or you can throw something together last minute. You naturally want to choose what appeals to this? And over time, because it is our nature to decline away from spiritual things and descend towards fleshly things, over time, and not much time, by the way, a life that was once vibrant and alive, or a marriage that was once vibrant and alive, or a family or a parent-child relationship, or a devotional walk, an usher team, a youth group, a church that was once vibrant and alive can be dead and in desperate need for a revival. Now, the good news is we can have it. We can have revival. Nothing that is dead has to stay dead. Now, where does revival come from? Revival comes from God. Revival comes from Jesus. Jesus is the resurrection and the life. We can have revival. Nothing that is dead has to stay dead. And beyond that, nothing that is dead can stay dead in the presence of Jesus. We don't need revival that's scheduled or, or conjured up by man. Nothing that originates from dead men can bring revival to other dead men. So Asbury can have their man-given concert. We need God-sent revival. People are asking me, do you think that, do you think it's legitimate? No. Do I think God's working through it? Yeah, he works, he works through a lot of things. Do I think God can use it? Yes, I do. Do I think it originated from him? No. And if it did, religion got a hold of it and did its thing. Revival only comes to those who are completely dependent upon God for it. And if you read, if you read the chapter, you will see that. You'll, you'll see that in the... 
it's split up into three sections here. And in the middle section where we get our text verse, he's, he's showing, I am completely dependent upon God to work because at the beginning of the chapter, he said, I am remembering how God worked in the past. So my dependence upon God to work today is based on my remembrance of God working in the past. And because I remember him working in the past, I am confident that he will work in the future. So it starts with remembrance of God's work in the past, dependence upon God's work in the present, and then confidence in God's work in the future. But he brings out the fact it, it's got to come from him. It cannot come from anybody else. If God does not send revival, we will never have it. Now, here's what I want you to think of for a little bit. What if God sent it? Okay? What if God sent it? Now, I know I've pretty much ruined your night already. Okay, but, but, but think about it. What if God sent it? What would your life look like if God revived you? What would your marriage look like if God, through his mercy... Granted you revival, what would it look like? What would your Bible reading look like if God revived you? You know when you used to read your Bible and you couldn't write fast enough because it was just jumping off the page at you? Do you remember those days? Have you ever had those days? Do you remember when you would read your Bible and something would hit you and the tears would just begin to flow? And you thought, oh my goodness, what an amazing book. And you're in Deuteronomy. <laughs> but you get a little glimpse of Jesus in it. And you think, oh my goodness, what an incredible thing. What if God sent revival to your prayer? What would your prayer look like? To get down on your knees and feel like you could whisper because he's right next to you. How would we sing if God sent revival? I think we sang well. I'm, I'm not, I, I, I want to, but let me ask you. If God sent revival, do you think you would sing as you just sung? Or do you think there would be something different? I think there could be something different. How would you approach your ministry if God sent revival to you? How would you approach your friendships if God sent revival to you? How would you play in the orchestra if God sent revival to your heart personally? Because revival is a personal thing. I think if God sent revival to you, you'd be the parent that you were supposed to be. And you'd be the grandparent that you were supposed to be. And even the great-grandparents, some of you, that you're supposed to be. I think if God sent revival to you, you'd be the spouse that you're supposed to be. And you'd be the child that you're supposed to be. And I'd be the pastor that I'm supposed to be. And you'd be the youth pastor you're supposed to be. And the staff that we're supposed to be. And the Sunday school teacher you're supposed to be. And the soul owner you're supposed to be. The usher that you're supposed to be. The nursery worker you're supposed to be. The employer. The boss. I think we'd be the church that we're supposed to be. If God would send revival to us, think of the joy that would come from that. And I think it should excite you. I think it should excite you to think about what our lives, our marriages, our soul winning fruit, our song service, our work ethics. I, I think it should excite us to think of what all those things could be if God would grant us revival. 
Now, I'm all for that. I'm all for excitement of thinking what revival can bring in the future. And if you, if you read this verse, that's what he's bringing out. Wilt thou not revive us again? That thy people may rejoice in thee. He's looking to the future. I'm all for that. But here's what I want to bring out. Before we can be excited about what asking for revival can mean for our future, I think we need to be ashamed of what asking for revival means for today. Let me explain. What is revival? Now, I, I'm, not, I'm not asking you, you know, like, don't, don't say, revive. Re, again, vive, live. What is revival? To restore life. To bring back to life. To make alive again. If an individual or a ministry or a church is eligible for revival, it must mean that that person or that ministry or that church used to be alive, but they're not anymore. If we need revival today, it's because we lost something we used to have. If we need revival today, it's because we are not who we're supposed to be as Christians. If we need revival today, it's because we have failed. We have failed. We have failed to follow his will. His will is that we would have life and have life more abundantly. Therefore, if we followed his will, we would have that life. We would not need reviving. Revival is God bringing back something that we should have kept, but we lost it. We need it. We can have it. If you're going to have it, you have to pray for it. But many prayers for revival sound like this. Lord, send, send revival because I want to be a better soul owner. Send revival I, I, because I want to be a better father. I want to be a better mother. I want to be a better child. I want to be a better Christian. Lord, send revival so our church can grow. Send revival because I know if you send revival, our Sunday school can grow. And we can see more people saved and baptized. And Corpus Christi can be shaken for you. And my family can be unified. My Bible reading can be more exciting. And my prayers can be more powerful. And my ministry can be more effective. And my heart can be, be lighter. We, we pray for revival with this excitement. I'm not saying that's necessarily wrong. But I think before we can ever pray with excitement, we have to pray with shame. Genuine revival prayer is not, Lord, I'd like to see this in my life, so make it so. It is, Lord, I used to see this in my life. And I don't anymore. Please bring it back. And 
I, maybe those prayers sound similar to you, but there is a world of difference to God between, Lord, please send revival to my heart. I need to be a better Christian. And the prayer, Lord, I used to be a better Christian. And the only reason I'm asking for a revival today is because I lost what you trusted me to keep and I can't bring it back. Only you can bring it back. Would you please bring it back? I think revival ends with excitement. Once it comes, we can rejoice. Let's talk about where it begins. Revival begins with a prayer of admission that we have lost what God wanted us to keep and we acknowledge our failure and we believe that only he can restore. I'm afraid we only view revival through the lens of what it means for the future. But before we can ever be excited about what praying for revival can mean in the future, I think we need to be ashamed about what praying for revival means today. If we have to pray for revival, that is only because we who are supposed to be alive are dead or dying. So what does revival prayer look like? Lord, I used to. I used to think about souls all the time. But I've gotten so distracted recently. I used to carry tracks on me. I used to pray for my neighbor and my cousin and my family members. I used to, but I don't anymore. Would you bring back my heartbreak for the lost? Lord, I used to love your word. I used to wake up in the morning and it's the first thing I would grab. And I couldn't wait to read it. Now I grab my phone or I turn on the TV. And if I ever get to it, I just, I read a chapter. I used to read chapters upon chapters upon chapters but I don't anymore. Would you please bring back my love for your word? I used to pray. I remember the first time I made a list and I got so excited of sticking to that list and being able to tell people for the first time, honestly, I'm gonna add you to my prayer list. Now I haven't opened it in months. I come on Wednesdays or I come on Sundays and somebody says, hey, I just want to let you know my surgery went well. Thank you for praying. And I didn't pray once. It didn't used to be that way. Please bring that back. 
I used to sing in church. And I wouldn't even look at the words, whether I knew them or not. (laughs) I would just sing at the top of my lungs and look as if you were there in the corner and sing to you. And now I don't do that anymore. Sometimes I don't even stand. Sometimes I don't even grab the hymnal. Sundays used to be my favorite day of the week. I looked forward to teaching my Sunday school class. I looked forward to helping in my Sunday school class. I looked forward to sitting next to a guest, reaching out to a guest, and I don't feel that way anymore. Please bring that back. I used to be the spiritual leader of my home. I'm not anymore. I used to be a godly wife who wanted nothing more than to make my husband a success, but I'm not anymore. I used to be an obedient child. I'm not anymore. I used to be excited about church. I'm not anymore. I used to be faithful. I'm not anymore. I used to be open to the preaching. I'm not anymore. I used to listen to preaching all throughout the week. I don't anymore. I used to guard what I watch at, at work. I don't guard it anymore. I used to guard what I, what I say everywhere. And I don't guard what I say anymore. I don't do it anymore. Please bring it back. I used to be alive. I'm not anymore. Wilt thou not revive me again that I may rejoice in thee? Because when I think of what I used to do and what I could be again, it excites me. How many of you have lost something that God wanted you to have, so he gave it to you, but you lost it? How many of you have lost something you used to have, something God expected you to keep? Then you need revival, and you can have revival. You have to pray for it, though, because it can only come from God. Prayer is the channel through which blessings from God can reach you. So where there is no channel, there is no way from what is in heaven to reach what is in earth. You don't have not because God has not. You don't have not because God doesn't want to give. Ye have not because ye ask not. And revival doesn't come from preaching to man. Revival comes from praying to God. A preacher said, in my own ministry experience, the spiritual operations we call revivals all began in a prayer meeting. If you want to predict a revival, don't schedule preaching. Hang a thermometer up in your prayer closet. Brother Haven, every Sunday you come up and you choose a different topic for us to pray for our prayer prayer meeting, and you put great thought into it. My question would be this. Could we go wrong for praying every Sunday at 530 for revival until God sends it? And even if it takes decades for him to send it, could we go wrong for spending every Sunday at 5.30 praying for revival until he sends it? But I just don't happen to think that it would take decades if we prayed for it properly. But do we pray for it properly? Do our prayers only contain an ambition for future blessing? Or do they contain an admission of present sin? 2 Chronicles 7.14, 
does not say, if my people, which are called by my, by my name, shall pray, then I will hear from heaven. If my people, which are called by my name, shall first humble themselves and admit the only reason you need to pray for what you're about to pray for is because you are not who you are supposed to be. Humble themselves and pray and seek. You know what that means? Over and over and over. If, if we truly wanted revival, if we truly believed that we need revival, we would not stop asking for it any more than a drowning man would stop calling for help until he was rescued. If you pray for revival one time and then never think about it again, you don't want it. Because you don't think you need it. And seek my face, not just what I can do for you, but seek me. And then what? Turn from your wicked ways. You know, the things that took you from life and brought you down to death, turn from those. Because if you go straight back to them, you're just going to need reviving again. And as much as God wishes to send revival, he wishes more for you just to stay alive. That's why if you look at the end of verse 8, he says, would you please let your people not return unto their folly? I've seen what you have done in the past. I believe that you can do it again, so I'm asking for it. And once you send it, please don't let us go back to it. Because then we're just going to need reviving again. Don't just pray for revival. Begin better. How, how do you pray for revival? Begin your prayer for revival with an admission that you are currently dead when you should be alive. And then fill that prayer with dependence upon the only one who can bring life to something that is dead. And then end that prayer with a determination to keep the reviving that the Lord grants to you in his mercy. Then I will hear from heaven and will heal their sin or forgive their sin and heal their land. And then we will rejoice in him. If you think back on any revival, before any Christian has ever been able to rejoice in the revival that God sent to them, that Christian first had to be ashamed and humbled that God had to send it to them in the first place. Before any Christian found the revival that they needed in order to be who they were supposed to be for God, they first had to admit, Lord, I am not who I'm supposed to be. I'm dead when I should be alive. I'm barely breathing when I should be running. And I'm considering quitting when I should be serving. Oh, God, please bring me back to life. When's the last time you prayed like that? Would you pray like that tonight? And not stop until he hears you and grants you the revival that you need. Would you do that? And what a perfect night to do it. Because we are here to remember he died 
and he was buried. But it was not possible for him to be holding of death because he's the resurrection and the life. And you know what revival is? Just getting back in the presence of Jesus again. And my friend, when you do, you can't stay dead. You won't stay dead. But before he'll ever revive, you have to admit you're dead. And that's what the invitation is. Because we're about to go into a Lord's Supper and we're about to go into a month where we're going to be inviting people to come in And oh, wouldn't it be glorious if they saw a church filled with people who were alive and had joy in serving Jesus. Thank you for listening to our audio preaching podcast. For more information about our ministries, or if you would like to get in contact with us, please visit our website at heritagebaptistcctx.org. May God bless you as you go forward with the gospel this week.